0: it's actually the opposite. By us not having that conversation, we're putting ourselves in a boat that is very unstable, that's getting tossed around all over the place. It's actually more risky than having that conversation. I think that's the thing that we need to wrangle with. We need to convince ourselves that what we think is safe is actually way more dangerous than the opposite, which is having that conversation. That's actually the safe path.
1: All right. There we go. Um, all right. So before we actually talk about what we're here to talk about, let's have a little food talk. Um, so just before um, I logged in, I saw your video about the new role you tried. Yes. So I I had never heard of it until you mentioned it. So I hadn't
0: either. I, had I yeah, hadn't So either. tell me about it. Uh, and, and and you're going to come into this story at some point. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about sandwiches and and kind of talking about like ranking, like what are our favorite top three, top five sandwiches? And he's like, oh, have you ever had one on a Dutch Crunch Roll? I'm like, that was a Dutch Crunch Roll. He's like, dude, I'm like, what? And I'm like, I've never heard of such a thing. He's like, oh, he's like, hold on, let me see if like these can be overnighted. And so apparently it's this thing and then there's uh, some bakeries in San Francisco that are well known for making this roll. It's the outside of it is, I mean, if you watch the video, you could tell it's, it's got an incredible crunch to it, but not so much like getting a sandwich on a hard baguette where it's just unenjoyable to eat. Like it's still soft and chewy, but it has this incredible outside crunch to it. Um, and the outside's all cracked and it's just, it's kind of sweet. You got the cracked outside, the inside's soft and warm and chewy anyway. He sent me some, overnighted them, they were baked on on uh, Tuesday, he overnighted them, I got them on Wednesday, and I decided to make a classic Italian hoagie, sub, whatever you call it, grinder, um, and it was awesome. I'm like, oh, this is so good, and then there, it brought me back flashbacks to when you sent me uh, the hoagie rolls from the, the place in Philly, which were incredible. Um, in fact, you shared you sent me like a case of them. It, that was the smallest one I could have shipped. So, <laughs> but they were, so, but it was awesome, and they were so good that I shared them with some of my friends. I'm like, you guys, ha- like, you can't buy something like this in the store. You just got to try it. Yeah.
1: So, so uh, real quick for our listeners, um, it was the the bakery was Amoroso's. So anybody Amor- who's right. kind that's of right. in this general vicinity. Very um, well. Known.
0: That that's I, I had them shipped out to Utah incredible so the the problem though is now this friend that sent me the dutch crunch rolls and jim that sent me the amorosa's you know classic deli rolls have ruined me like i'm ruined because i can't get sandwich rolls like that in utah unless i unless i ship them in and so i mean yeah sure i'm still you know buying them from the store i bake my own but just not the same as these rolls it's the water i'm telling you it's something it's it's the water it is so good. So I'm but, super glad to have experienced both, but also sad that it's like, well now I'm gonna compare everything to those rolls. <laughs> so <laughs> well, sorry for ruining. No no no, uh, it's it's you. not ruined. It's not ruined. But, no, I just
1: tease. But um when when you say like Dutch Crunch Roll, when you were talking about it last week or whatever like when i first heard of that like i'm thinking of like a cinnamon roll like that's what first came to mind like i couldn't picture it until i saw the video so i wanted to hear about it
0: and i thought it'd make a great great intro intro we're usually talking about food and now you're making me super hungry because it's one o'clock and i haven't eaten lunch yet but Uh, okay well that might be why you're dragging i have a couple more rolls and more uh lunch meat so deli meat um so yeah yeah anyway a good way to start and yeah very, very. T- I'm. I I love a good deli sandwich. So like I'm always on the lookout for like finding something. And next time I get out into your area, I don't know. Maybe maybe we take a day trip to New York. I've got to get to a bodega to get the. Uh, what is it? The chopped cheese sandwich.
1: Yeah. Let me know. Let me know when you want to come out. We'll. Uh, we'll oh. a drive up to New Jersey and take NJT in.
0: And your and your wife says that I have to come out and go to I can't remember the name of the market. She said there. Reading Terminal the, Market. I will take you there to get the broccoli, Rob pork sandwich. Yes, yeah, we,
1: that, that's where we took Adam and and his girlfriend when they flew in from London last summer. Oh, cool. Yeah, we took them downtown and we took them to Reading Terminal Market and it's basically there's just seating in the center and you just go grab food and grab a table. Love it. All right,
0: that's on the list. Yeah that is on the list yeah all right cool I don't uh, did, did you did you like pre-do this to segue not into
1: necessarily i was trying to see if something something came up like i was trying to, to figure it out but like let, let's just dive into into the topic for today um the the last couple episodes you know we've been talking a bit about like running running an analytics org and or like really talking toward those, uh, some of the times the things that they experience as those running analytics org. So your directors or senior directors and, and whatnot. So I want to ask the question today, which it seems simple on its face, but I think it gets really, really complicated and there's a lot of things with it. But where does digital analytics live mm-hmm. within an organization? Because properly positioning the analytics team is critical to enabling the development of unbiased uh, information, data, and guidance for the organization. So does this live in marketing? Does it live in product? Um, Does it live in technology? Does it live somewhere else? Does it live completely on its own? Um, I know part of the answer is going to be, you know, it depends upon your org. But really, like, let's just start with the surface question. Where does analytics live? And again, let me just put the one caveat. With the goal of getting to
0: unbiased actionable data it is it is such a timely topic um and actually one that i took some time to like write a bunch of notes about and i didn't even <laughs> i didn't even peek at the uh podcast schedule so wasn't even i wasn't even aware that this was going to be the topic of an upcoming episode so and i think it's timely because it's it's one that historically uh organizations have struggled and continue to struggle with um and something that I definitely felt the struggle with uh, when I work client side, I, I, I'm i sure I've talked about it on, on past episodes, but um, I think I had, what's the line from uh, Office Space? Like eight bosses. I, I, I think I had like over a three or four year span, like eight different bosses because they couldn't figure out where I lived. Do I report to the executive team? Do I report to the VP of marketing? I think I reported to engineering at one point in time, uh, uh, product, creative, uh, user experience. <laughs> like I sat in so many different places because um, companies just struggle with this. And we see this with the companies we work with and by no means are, 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 is it about the companies we work with. I think they're representative of the whole. Is It's a struggle there as, as well. And some of the struggles that we've seen is just trying to figure out, like uh, one company we worked with several years ago really struggled it was sitting in finance and they were treating it as a finance component and they're like well We're not getting the value of understanding our consumers because everything was finance focused and so Not only do you have a challenge of kind of where it sits being from a leadership standpoint, but where it sits often dictates the work that you do as an analyst and um, You know, when I sat in marketing, I did marketing analytics. When I sat in product, I did product analytics. Uh, So, you know, I think it really begs for it to be its own solution so that it can do broader scale analytics, but where does it sit? So with that long rambling intro to your question out of the way, I think the most important question to ask is, well, what is analytics? How do we define analytics? What is it that we're trying to put in the organization, where does it live? I don't think we can answer the question, where does analytics live, until we define what analytics is. And I think that's a huge part of the problem is we have a lot of assumptions about what analytics is and what it means, but we don't have shared nomenclature. We don't have shared definition. And that's a reason why I think so often it gets passed around to so many different organizations is we haven't defined what analytics actually is. Touche. (laughs) um answering a question with a question yeah and i joke but you
1: you actually bring up a good point um because like i definitely was coming in with my own assumptions like of what analytics meant what its role to the organization was with this question Mm -hmm. so so yeah touche good you know uh good good response (laughs) so so in that case like let's talk about that for a second like I guess, what assumptions do you make when, say, a prospect or even just someone who's reaching out to you based on your experience in the industry and starts talking about analytics? What assumptions do you make right off the bat about like, what that team is responsible for?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I I make the assumption that it aligns with the things that we do and the problems that we solve with the businesses that we work with because that's just a natural inclination. But I think an important step is to kind of put up the the stop sign and take a step back and say, okay, well, what actually do you mean by analytics? Um, And I ask a lot of questions about, well, what does analytics mean to you? Where does it live? Who owns it? What are the outputs? What are you trying to do with it? Um, and those questions really help me think about where kind of that sits in the organization. Um, and as I've been thinking about this question and topic the last few weeks, and again, like completely unaware that it was was going to be our topic for the show today, um, I, I ended up creating which I think may end up explaining a lot of this gap or division between what we call web or digital analytics and what we call maybe more traditional BI or data science. Um, And and the, the distinction that I came up with is we have two distinct organizations within a business. You have data organization and you have an analytics organization. And I think we need to, and they're, Two completely different organizations, and I think that that's okay. Um, I think it's healthy. I think there should be some crossover and back and forth, but the leadership of those organizations, the vision of what those teams do, I think is is really different. So let me talk a little bit about what I mean by that. So, data and a data organization is. Um, I think more aligned with your traditional BI data science. These, these tend to be more technical, more programmatic in their approach. Um, so they're using SQL more, they're building statistical models, predictive models, regression models more. Um, they're ultimately responsible for data collection, which we kind of see in the digital world. But if you think about analytics and data in a larger picture, there's a ton of different places we collect data, not just with a quote unquote JavaScript tag on a web page. Um, so typically, the data teams are responsible for data collection across the company. Um, uh, they're responsible for munging and cleaning and storing data in databases and data lakes and warehouses. Um, they're responsible for data reporting. So, all of the financial reporting, the health of the business reporting, um, and some data visualization as, as well. So they're providing insights into executives and finance around the health of the business, lifetime value, um, you know, key metrics that the business has to monitor to understand the health of the business and where it's growing and where there are risks and challenges. Um, that's what I see as the data organization. So coming to your question, where does analytics live? Well, we needed to find what analytics is. And I think analytics is a separate organization from the data organization and it needs separate leadership because it has a separate vision and charter. Your analytics organization, while it has maybe some data collection components or other components that may cross over, it's very limited in scope to often um, specific platforms or properties. But they're primarily responsible for things like data investigation. So where we may ask someone in the data team to build a model or produce a report of financial forecasts. We would go to our analytics team and say why are people dropping off at step five in our funnel and calling the call center that's a question for the analytics team um, they, more, they do more data analysis, so again, understanding user behavior, consumer behavior patterns, uh, mapping that to consumer psychology. Um, they're more business, so they, where, where the data team may trend more technical, the analytics team tends to trend more business, so they have maybe a bit more business acumen. And the insights that they're, they're uncovering are less about the financial health of the company and more about insights into the business. Here's what we're hearing from our consumers. Here's where our our customers are maybe having friction points with our products, uh, things like that. And they also take it a step further. And where the data team may produce a model that creates some sort of prediction, they stop there and say, hey, that's the result of the model. This is what the model is saying. What the analytics team will do is take their analysis, their investigation, and then map that to business goals and outcomes and saying, hey, I know in Q3 we're trying to do X based on what we're seeing in the data. And from our uh, data analysis, we recommend that we do Y in order to make X a possibility. So that's how I've started seeing, seeing analytics. And once we answer that question, I think it, it helps to understand where that lives. So if we believe that there are two teams, a data team and an analytics team, in my mind, it doesn't make sense for analytics to live in IT, engineering, finance. Those are places where the data team should live. Analytics needs to live somewhere else. And typically, it's kind of found a home in marketing, but I think that's too siloed. Um, I think it needs to be a team of itself um, and definitely needs to have someone at a more senior VP or C-level in which they report up through. So that was a lot. I'll stop there.
1: No, it was really good. And I like how you broke down the difference between the data organization and an analytics organization and why they they should be separate. Um, I, I guess... Where I want to go with this is, you know, before we can even also get to where it should be, you started to touch on a bit about where it should be not. Mm -hmm. So analytics should not be in IT. Um, I see problems when I've seen analytics as part of marketing. Uh, Oh, for sure. You know, there's issues there. I've also seen issues when analytics has been part of product. Um, so let's, let's look at each of those. Cause those seem to be the common places where analytics is just thrown. Because I think to your point, when people don't define what the analytics team is and what its purpose is and, and everything that goes along with it, they, it just becomes like this extraneous team of, where do we put them? Just, just put them over there.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. They, they,
1: they've got some headcount, you know, put them over there and they can live over there. Um, I guess, what are some of the issues that you've seen crop up when the analytics team is placed within IT and technology?
0: Yeah, and so, I mean, you and this applies to all of them. You, you brought up the biggest challenge, and that is if we don't know where to put them when we're just kind of stashing them somewhere, it means we have no strategy for how we're going to use analytics. So right from the start, we're putting the analytics team uh, in a deficit um, because we have no real plan or strategy for for how to use them. If we did, we wouldn't be so kind of flippant to say, well, we don't know where they live. Let's just stash them away in IT. Um, and so I'll kind of walk through some of the challenges I've seen with the three examples that that you called out. So IT, engineering, and again, I think the answer is going to be Pretty similar across all three of these, just nuanced to the, the role in that, let me start by saying, I think that analytics could live as a function of each of those teams very in a very healthy way, but only if analytics is an equal shareholder within each of those teams meaning they have an equal seat at the table, an equal voice, and not what happens if you get put in marketing, if you get put in IT, you're subservient to the leadership within those organizations. You basically become a doer for the leadership in that organization. That doesn't work for analytics. Um, If you wanted to create analytics teams and say, hey, this is our IT analytics teams, this is our marketing analytics team, this is our product analytics team, I think it can work. But you need to have an equal seat at the table. If you don't, we know what ends up happening, you end up doing the beckoning of the leadership of that group of the things that that, that group thinks are the most important, and more often times the things that that group gets rewarded or compensated for. So if I live in IT, what am I going to be analyzing? Page speed, uh, you know, page performance? you know, stuff like that, like all the kind of the technical details around how our web page is performing from a technical performance standpoint, why? Well, IT, that's one of IT's roles and that's what they get compensated for. And so if we we improve the performance of the website, we're gonna get bonuses. So that's what we're gonna have our analytics team focus on. So we're missing out huge opportunities to understand marketing effectiveness, to understand product, Um, it's a gap. So let's, let's shift to marketing. Same problem, right? So what's important to marketing? Well, marketing effectiveness that we're showing that we're having good conversion rates from a marketing campaign to whatever our call to action is, a sign up, a donation, a purchase. Um, and so that's where our focus is going to be. We're going to do marketing analytics. And we're going to do it in a way that, quote unquote, makes the marketing team look good, right? Like, they're my boss, they they pay my salary they determine my bonus am i going to put out an analysis that says marketing isn't doing good i've done that and i got yelled at by my marketing boss so it's a tough place to be right um you're not you're not an independent voice of the data and the same holds true of product if i'm in product and i wrote report to product I'm gonna do product analytics. I'm gonna do user experience analytics, but I'm probably gonna ignore marketing. I'm probably gonna ignore things that are important to IT. Um, So again, it's a similar problem just with different nuance across um, the business units. Um, So if you're going to have a analytics team that's a centralized analytics team, I I don't think it should live in any of those departments. It needs to be an independent team with an independent voice that is able to interrogate the data, ask tough questions of the data without the feeling of fear that my job is at risk, my pay is at risk, my bonus is at risk because I'm analyzing and I'm analyzing in a critical way things that may make my leadership look bad or not in the greatest light. So it needs to be independent. If you are going to put it within those pods, each pod needs its own analytics team, but they need to have a shared voice at the table, which I haven't, yet to see an organization that has that working
1: yeah and like i I know you and i a lot of times talk about like what should be what are the best case scenarios or what what are like the 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 setups that like should be like the most effective way and and many times it's not that way and one of the assumptions with that is is analytics is going to be an unbiased voice You know, it's going to be just the cold, hard facts of this is what the data is showing us. And when putting each of those organizations to your point, that's often not what happens. They just become, they, they, they just become the cheerleaders for whatever organization that they're in, whether it's through heavy handedness, like you were talking about getting yelled at for showing what the data was actually showing, or just the fact that, you know, hey, these are my friends yeah um were were you and i talking on on a podcast episode about how like certain industries like there's certain government regulatory Mm -hmm. bodies Mm -hmm. start to become embedded and then next you know they become friends and one overlooks the other or you know whatnot they they kind of look past things because hey we're friends
0: yeah yeah, we talked about that with Boeing. Um, That's right, and, it was Boeing. I and, couldn't remember who it was. Yeah, and the NTSB, and that they were so embedded in these companies that they became friends with the people that they were supposed to be holding accountable. And not only did they become friends, there was a financial motive there because they were so embedded and stock price was so important that they were pressured to maybe overlook certain things. So we while we may not be dealing with things as critical of the safety of an airline, um, You know it's it's a similar situation if we become so embedded with these teams that we're friends and that we feel financial pressure to uh maybe look the other way we fall into the same trap of of not being an independent voice of the data not thinking critically about what we're analyzing and then what happens well we let defects slide through you know, we allow things like marketing campaigns that are not profitable slide through. And then all of a sudden, while we may not have a crashed airliner, we have maybe a crashed stock price because why is the company bleeding money? Oh, all our marketing campaigns are highly ineffective. Why isn't anybody saying they're, well, we didn't want to upset our friends and we didn't want to get our bonus slashed by calling it out. Yeah. And I even just think of the peer pressure of it. You're friends
1: with these folks. And it's like, man, I know this person worked really, really, really hard this team worked really hard on this new feature that went out. It was like the feature that they worked on for nine months. I, it really hurts me to say that the data is showing that this feature is not only not helping with whether it's supposed to help with checkout funnel on an e-commerce site, help, you know, push people through a lead funnel or whatnot. Not only is the data not showing it's not helping, it's actually hindering. Mm Mm-hmm. I really want to I know how much work they put into it. Do I really want to show how this is a problem?
0: Yeah. Like that peer pressure is real. I've seen it. it. It's it's very very real and it's very very hard and especially, you know, for people in our industry, we tend to be very introverted but very empathetic, caring people. We don't like to have, you know, tough conversations sometimes. We don't like to upset people. Um and and it puts us in a position where that is even a bigger challenge when we're so deeply embedded. In fact, I'll go back to my experience client side. Um, I, I did. I was very critical of some marketing activities we were were doing, and really upset the marketing leadership. And it, it frustrated me. It made me feel like I wasn't being a good friend. I wasn't being a good you know team member. And the CEO pulled me aside and. Well, I think maybe his stance is a little bit more brash than I would take. He, he said something like, I'm expecting you to be an independent voice. And if you're not upsetting people to the point that sometimes you're making them cry, you're, you're not doing your job. <laughs> you know, I need you to be tough. I need you to be realistic about the data and the insights that the data is saying. And I can't have your opinion swayed because you're friends with this person that works on, on the marketing team. I mean, it's, I guess it could be easy to say that, but for those of us that are maybe a little bit more touchy filly, that's really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah, it it completely is. And
1: while I can kind of see the heavy handedness happening when, you know, if a team is in, in it, um, like more of that subtle stuff happening in, in other organizations. Um, and that, that's again, where I've seen it is definitely in product and marketing. Because it's like, again, like, I've seen it where it was like, yeah, these are my friends that, you know, I go out to get drinks with every Thursday after work. I really don't want to deliver this kind of bad news.
0: Yeah. And I see, you know, the hub, the hubbin spoke. Oh, that dog hates the Amazon truck. I don't the know Amazon how, truck just wants to be friends. I know. And I don't know how she knows it's the Amazon truck because she was in a completely other side of the house, on the back side of the house, away from the road, but that truck can pull up and she could be in a dead sleep and pop up and come like, nope, that Amazon truck is not parking out in front there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, so a lot of people are, are really big in pushing this um, distributed team solution to analytics. And, I, and while I understand their arguments, and their arguments are, well, you intimately know the thing that you're analyzing. Marketing, product, IT performance, user experience. And so you're in a position to be a much better analyst, to provide much more meaningful insights because you know so much more about that business unit because you're embedded in that business unit. And while I completely understand and respect that argument, and, and it's true. You, you are in a position to do that. I think we're doing a huge disservice by not calling out the risks that are also associated with it, which I've seen very, very few, if any, of these debates online that talk about this distributed model. Very few, if any, have, have brought up the fact that well, there's a huge risk here of not telling the full truth, of massaging the data of looking the other way because you are so embedded that you're friends with these people that this team pays your 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 paycheck that they're responsible for your promotions it's a massive risk that's not going talked about so should we think about a distributor model absolutely there are huge upsides to it but if we don't if we don't discuss this very very real risk that we know exists we have data that shows that this is a real thing if we're not talking about it we're, 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 doing a, a huge disservice. Um, I, I am, I am a much bigger fan of a centralized role, um, of a centralized analytics team, um, that may have subject matter expertise within that team where they spend time. Maybe we have team members that are maybe more thinking marketing performance. We have team members that are maybe more product focused. I think that's okay but it has to be an independent team with an independent voice that rolls up to an independent executive and right now that's in very few companies right we roll up to a cmo we roll up to a cfo we roll up to a cio it needs to i mean it's it's this elusive chief data officer or whatever that role is maybe even the ceo but there needs to be an independent voice that is seeing across the business that is not put in a position to again I don't want to say people in these roles are, are being unethical I, I think that is a is a rare thing but it is very real this 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 force on us to again maybe fudge the numbers maybe look the other way it's not that we're trying to be unethical or bad it's just that we're we're facing these very real emotional challenges because of how we've been positioned within the organization and I think it's it's entirely unnecessary.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the majority of the time malice is not involved. Um, it, it, it's not something to cook, cook the books. Um, it is something more kind of internally, like, cause again, you become, you become attached to that team, that part of the organization, certain things that they're doing and you start to argue for it. That, that That's all part of it. Not even just, I'll take it a step further. It's not just hiding or um, wanting to massage the data. It's you start fighting for it. you become a cheerleader mm-hmm. for it because again, these are your friends, these are your
0: people. And also, I think we need to call out there's a huge financial component to it as well. yeah,
1: that that too. I, right. I forgot about that part like yeah. it, it it does take me back to when we've talked about timesheets. yeah, and I worked in an organization where, you know like bonuses and you know semi-annual performance one of the five key things that were used to you know, used as part of that was your billable hours so you've just made something that people can directly change, modify, adjust is also part of their performance you you don't think that they're going to massage those things mm-hmm. the same thing here so I guess what does hold back organizations from looking at analytics as that independent voice, that unbiased look at the data to help the organization?
0: I mean, I th- I think it's lack of understanding. Um, and it's, it's being comfortable with the status quo that it's kind of always been this orphan child that we've thrown into marketing or product or it. Um, it, it really starts at the top and flows down. It, I mean, it needs to start with the executive leadership. It needs to start with the CEO. They need, you know, you need a very strong data-focused le- focused leadership team to say, analytics is critical to the success of what we do. And because of that, we're going to put in place leadership at a very executive level um, in order to make it work the way that, that we need it to work. I see very few organizations having that conversation um and so i think it's going to take a bottom down and a top down a bottom up and a top down approach you know there needs to be some people within the organization that truly understand the importance of, of analytics that are willing to stick their neck out a bit and push up the corporate ladder and say this needs to change we need change in leadership we need change in structure in order for our data teams our analytics teams and by the way i see those rolling up so we started this conversation around having a data team and an analytics team. I think you need a data team with a data leadership in place. I think you need an analytics team with analytics leadership in place. And I think both of those teams need to roll up to the same analytics leader because both of those teams need to be working cohesively together. And that analytics leader needs to sit at an executive level that doesn't report to product, that doesn't report to marketing, that doesn't report to IT, That's the structure that has to happen. And so it has to be, I think, a grassroots effort of those data and analytics teams coming together and saying, this is what we need to be successful. But it also needs the support top-down of executive C-level leadership saying, yes, we agree with you and we're going to put in leadership in place to ensure that you have that structure to make yourself successful and our company successful. And I barely got that out before I had to cough. Yeah, before I said anything, (laughs) I I wanted to make sure that that,
1: that you, you had finished finished your thought yeah um and i really you know we're we're 277 episodes in so i know there's my mind yeah right it's five and a half years um so that you know there's definitely going to be times we repeat ourselves and i really really try hard when i structure topics and themes to make sure we don't but i am noticing this reoccurring theme that it feels like analytics like analytics professionals, our industry, is not fighting for this position. They're not making the case. They're kind of sitting back and saying, okay, well, I'm here. This is my job. Let me come in and do my job and let the data speak for itself. But obviously, as we've discussed before, the data doesn't always speak for itself. You need to be a strong advocate for what you're finding. But in this case, too, it's maybe if I – where I kind of see us going with this topic is – we're not being strong enough advocates on where we're supposed to be and what our purpose is that's we're kind of right. just letting things happen to us
0: a hundred percent yeah we're kind of us as an industry that is yeah yeah we're we're, we're kind of getting tossed around with the winds of change we're kind of an un, unanchored untethered boat just getting tossed around in in the sea and it's an uncomfortable place to be even though we think it's comfortable right and i think that that's the conversation that we need to have with ourselves is is like we don't want to rock the boat, you know. We don't, you know, we don't feel safe to have those conversations. We just want to come in and do our job because we don't want to put it at risk. And we think that that's sitting on a boat in calm seas. It's actually the opposite. By us not having that conversation, we're putting ourselves in a boat that is very unstable. That's getting tossed around all over the place. It's actually more risky than having that conversation. I think that's the thing that we need to wrangle with. We need to convince ourselves that what we think is safe is actually way more dangerous than the opposite which is having that conversation that's actually the safe path and until we're until we're able to do that i think we're going to suffer the consequences of it and i don't to your point I don't want to belabor the the topic of the fact that analytics teams were the first to get cut during COVID that continue to be um drastically underinvested in that have not been rebuilt as every other team around them has been rebuilt post COVID um not just rebuilt but, uh, you know even larger headcount than what they yeah. had
1: you know before the pandemic hit so and that's like, on there, us. There's, Yeah, and there's two clients I can think of right now that we work with actively where that's the exact problem that they're facing. All, you know, across the organization, teams across the organization, they they were basically put in skeleton crew mode. People were let go. The entire analytics teams were let go. And everything was like, well, we're just going to kind of set it and forget it. We'll come back and pick up with it later. Well, we're now, you know, a couple of years past that and the other teams in the organization have not just rebuilt, but have built up larger than they were before. They've got projects and budgets that, you know, that, that, that have ramped up and the analytics teams haven't. Yeah. They're, they're at, they're still at that skeleton crew mode.
0: And, and, and it is on us because we are at the mercy of the sea. (laughs) We, we are not taking proactive, uh, measures in order to to address that and so yeah it's it's tough to watch it's it's tough to see but it's also empowering because we also can make the change you know we don't need to rely on some other organization to make the change like we can do this if we're willing to put ourselves out there if we're willing to speak up for ourselves if we're willing to go to our executive management team and say, look, the way that we're positioned is limiting the value that we can provide to the company. Here's how we see it working better. Like, those are the conversations we need to be having. Not like all these conversations of, well, should we be investing in a different CDP or, oh, large language models or we need to be doing text analysis now and like, screw all that. That's all secondary or tertiary. We need to get our own house in order before we mess around with any of that stuff. If not we're going to just see a repeat of what we've seen in the last 20 years, you know, do fun, cool stuff with new technologies, but not really have an impact on the business. And anytime there's a tightening in the labor market, anytime there's a tightening in the economy, we are going to be the first one to suffer the consequences. And I don't want to see it anymore. It's, it's unnecessary. We have the power to change that by elevating ourselves within the organizations to truly, truly once and for all, have an impact on the business. It's what we've been promising for 20 years. We've been saying we provide business insights. You know, if you go back to my definition of the data team versus the analysis team, that's what we do. We're supposed to provide data insights and recommendations to help improve the business, but we haven't been doing it. We have to fulfill our role and mantra, if not You know, it doesn't matter what cool new technology or new thing comes out. Like, we're going to continue to suffer needlessly until we're able to have that conversation. We elevate ourselves within the organization. We're finally positioned where we can be an independent voice. We have independent executive leadership. And we can really allow the data to speak for itself. Until we can get there, our, our our impact is going to be limited. And again, the trick is we think we're safe. We're not we're, we're very much at risk and, and we can change that.
1: Yeah. To, you know, to add a cliche to that. And I've used this recently with some family members, um, with, with some things going on. It's when you fail to plan, you become part of somebody else's plan. Like you have to think about that. It's not even the lack of a plan. It's you will get pulled into somebody else's. And and that that, that takes it right back to the biased nature that the data can have, that the insights can have. If you don't fight to be that unbiased voice, when you get put in those other organizations, that's ultimately it. You you become part of what that team is trying to do.
0: A hundred percent. And it also goes to a lot of the frustration that analytics teams are having. You know, analytics teams saying like, I'm so frustrated with being like a task doer and all these other teams throwing this stuff over me to do and telling me what to do. I'm like, well, you know that's our fault, right? (laughs) We, We failed to put our strategy out there. We failed to put our approach out there of what we do, and because there's a vacuum there, and to your point, we didn't have a plan, we became part of marketing's plan. We became part of product's plan. So if you don't like the scenario you're in, change it. But we have to change it by having a voice, by having our own plan and objectives. Um, that align with supporting those organizations as equals Um, and not today as we are often very subservient because we've failed to have our own plan, so we became part of another team's plan. I get why they're frustrated, but again, it's it's within our ability to change that dynamic and it becomes so much more healthy for the analytics teams, but it also becomes so much more healthy for the product teams for the marketing teams, for the executive teams, they get a much better data product, a much better analytics product. But we have to be able to a, again like I'm going to repeat this a couple times because I think it's such a pertinent point, we have to admit to ourselves that this safe place that we think we think we're in is actually a very dangerous place and that it is more than okay to kind of risk putting ourselves out there to say this needs to change because on the other side of that argument is really where our security lies. Yeah, and
1: I didn't want to say anything because I kind of wanted to let that sit and, and linger. And and honestly, I don't want to belabor the point because I think that's a good place to end it now. Um, you know, I think it was, it was it was a good question to ask. You know, kind of, and then also kind of bringing out the other questions of like, what is what is the analytics team's purpose? but then ultimately kind of like where does analytics live? It's got to live on its own. Yeah. If your goal again, the caveat being if your goal is unbiased, actionable data, then it has to be its own organization. And we in the industry need to fight for it. Yep. So one other thing, actually. Okay. One other thing it's, it's interesting because you know, kind of talking about like, and I'll say it sometimes like we as an industry enable ourselves to be pushovers. Mm-hmm. Um, there are teams I've worked with where they have no problem succumbing to the fire drill of the day, regardless of where it came from, whether it came from a project manager, legal, um, it, whatever. They're okay with that. But if you were to say the same thing, to the it org technology has been great at putting up this wall if you were to say the same thing i need this answer tomorrow they're gonna tell you to go f off yeah whereas for some reason analytics we don't do that we're like okay
0: i'll I'll quickly find you i'm gonna roll over you scratch my belly while you're on it
1: yeah like it's because i was talking with uh one of our colleagues internally again about another engagement where I don't see malice in it, but at the same time, like the, the expectations that the analytics team can answer stuff right away. And it's okay to say, we need this answer by one o'clock tomorrow. Um, The analytics team is setting themselves up for failure by, um, by allowing that to happen and, and not, and you don't necessarily need to be, jerks like other organizations can be with like the FU response, but it's the same thing. It all comes back to the same thing. We've allowed ourselves to be pushed around.
0: Yeah. Yep. And we don't need to be jerks. We just need to, you know, have a bit more um confidence in where where we sit and what our role is to be equals. Again. We, we've long complained that we don't have a, a seat at the adult table. But if we're going to act like children, <laughs> then that's where we're going to be, right? Like, it's time for us to grow up, put the childish things away, have confidence in the value we bring, and act like we belong there. And until we can do that, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to add people to the adult table if they don't act like adults. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up there. <laughs> let's wrap it up with, with that line. Thanks
1: for the time, and we'll talk to everyone later. See you. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.